Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans dissect the heck out of the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. And this week we are dissecting the heck out of season one, episode 10, You Gotta Go There to Come Back, which was written by Mike Kelly, directed by Keith Samples, and originally aired on January 20th, 2004. Wow, like, I can't believe we've had to wait two whole months to learn the resolution of the previous episode. Can you believe that? Jeremy, it's only been one week since our last podcast episode. Yeah, but let's try to do the whole magic thing where, you know, technically for this episode you had to wait two months, so I just want to keep up the magic for first-time viewers, okay? Luckily, they did not have to wait that long, and they only had to wait one week. (laughs) Maybe some people did. Maybe. (laughs) And if we talk about this podcast, really, we only had to wait a few days before recording this episode. Maybe some people wanted an authentic experience of what it really felt like agonizing. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Over what, two months, you said? (laughs) But yes, yeah, let's just just say it. Like, people have been waiting two months. Let's keep up the magic. Shh. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. We pick up right where we left off in episode 109. We find out that Lucas chose Brooke over Peyton, Nathan and Kaylee did not have sex, and after getting kicked out of the house in the previous episode, Dan attempts to make it up to Deb. Peyton also deals with the aftermath of Lucas's rejection and navigates her friendship with Brooke now that her best friend is dating Lucas. Feeling hurt and jealous, Peyton attempts to distance herself from the new couple and fails to reveal her true feelings. Additionally, the basketball team reacts to Whitey canceling practice until further notice. Many players, including Nathan and Jake, feel relieved that they can get a break from the pressure. Dan takes Nathan to a golf course for a father-son weekend from hell. Naturally, Dan's competitive nature is not limited to basketball, and they get into a heated argument. Back in Tree Hill, Deb runs into Lucas and Brooke buying condoms, which leads to Lucas having an awkward conversation with Deb, and later with Keith when he also finds out. But with Whitey's advice, Keith decides to take a step back and trusts Lucas will find his way back to the main road. And with help from Peyton and Deb, Haley organizes an open mic night in order to increase business at Karen's Cafe. And wow, what a night of surprises. Gavin fucking DeGraw just happens to be in Tree Hill that night, and of course performs I Don't Wanna Be. And Jake introduces his baby daughter Jenny to the crowd and sings a lovely song while playing guitar. Taking selfies with my Polaroid camera, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And buying whipped cream and condoms, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> I, I gotta say, like, you know, Brooke, like, I am so sex positive, but even I am so afraid to buy condoms in stores. I don't know why. Like, I get so weird. I'm like, this person knows I'm having sex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I get so shy. That's something I need to work on, so... <laughs> It's like you're revealing your secrets out in the open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't keep it a secret. If you follow me on social media, I do not keep my sex life a secret at all. So I don't know why I'm so shameful of it when I'm actually in the store buying condoms. So that's something I'm going to work on. 
Next time I post on my Instagram story, I'll just take it. Well, actually, I'm, I'm not really buying condoms. It's the pandemic. I'm really not having sex right now. So whatever. But next time when I go into the store, I will take a selfie buying condoms with my Polaroid camera. <laughs> you really should. Tie it back to your intro. <laughs> All right. Oh, gosh. So today's episode is titled after the stereophonic song, I'm All Right, You Gotta Go There to Come Back. Yes. What did you think of the song, Jeremy? I really enjoyed it. One thing I just want to know about this song now, I was listening to it on YouTube, watching the video, and you know what video came up next? Maybe Tomorrow by the same artist. <laughs> And just, I know that song means something to both you and other One Tree Hill fans, but that's just a side tangent, and we're not going <laughs> to spoil what that song is. That is coming up rather soon. Yes, it is. Oh, boy. Oh, um, boy's right. But yeah, I thought the song was basically about how when you hit your low points, you'll always spring right back. As a matter of fact, I feel like that the entire episode is summed up right in the title. Like, you gotta go there to come back. Sometimes you have to hit those low points in order to, like, bounce right back. Like, look at Nathan. Nathan, he, you know, he passed out in the middle of his game. He sprinted right back. He's with his, um, he's at his happy place. He goes to the river court to play with his friends. Um, he's with Haley. Everything seems to be good as far as he's concerned. Yeah, that's a valid point. What did you think about the song? I connected it to Peyton and what she's dealing with. I felt like the song, the narrator of the song, basically is trying to convince themselves that they're all right. I mean, I'm all right is repeated throughout the song, so that's a little more obvious. But some of the lines like, I'll tell another lie for you, I'll wear another smile for you, those sorts of things. So it's the narrator's kind of having like this internal dialogue or struggle trying to figure out like, convince themselves that they're okay. And that's exactly what Peyton's doing in this episode because, I mean, there's just multiple scenes in this episode with various characters where she's kind of grappling with the rejection from Lucas and she wants to be all right, but she's not really all right and she's not admitting that to anyone else openly except maybe a little bit to Haley. But basically, she's not being truthful to how she feels to Luke or Brooke. It's really sad. I know. I feel very bad for Peyton in this episode. I know you may think otherwise because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a Bruca shipper, but I feel bad for Peyton in this episode. I know. It really does, like, break my heart because just what Haley said to Lucas, I feel like that sums up how I feel about it. She said something along the lines of, wow, the first time Peyton actually opens up to someone... And then it, like, bites her in the butt (laughs) immediately. Like, she... Yeah, exactly. Like, she gets rejected. So, so much for being vulnerable. Right. So, let's talk more about that, actually. Lucas chose Brooke over Peyton. Were you surprised by that? I mean, I've seen this a million times. (laughs) I'm trying to, like, think back to, like, my first watch of the series. Like, I don't remember, like, what I felt in the moment. But... I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, Lucas felt like a sense of obligation to Brooke in that moment. Yeah. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, he felt bad, which is terrible. You should not do that whatsoever. Like, don't stay with somebody just because you feel badly about it. Like, please do not do it. Yeah. But I gotta say, I really do love the scene where Lucas wakes up alone. So you're led to believe, like, oh, he didn't choose either one of them. And then he goes into the kitchen. He asks Keith, like, do you ever feel like you made a mistake? And then Brooke walks in with two coffees, and she says, good morning, boyfriends, again, and then kisses him. 
And I just think it's so cute that she gives the second cup of coffee to Keith. She gives the first cup to Lucas, then she gives the second cup to Keith. I know. And in that moment, you kind of feel bad for Brooke, too, because, like, clearly Lucas is questioning, like, who to be with. And then she comes in and she's all happy. And it's just like a really, I don't, overall, it's just like a really si- shitty situation. Yeah. Honestly. I agree with you. Like, Lucas felt obligated to stay with Brooke because she openly wanted to be with him. So it was kind of like, well, why not be with Brooke? Brooke said she wanted to be with me, like, from the get-go. And here Peyton was. She was so unsure the whole time. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I really love about this storyline, because regardless of whether or not you're um, a shipper of Lucas and Peyton, which you obviously are, you still notice, like, Brooke is being hurt here. Yeah. And it's really, really sad. There's a lot of reasons why I don't really like Brooke in this episode. We'll get to them a little bit later, but... You really do feel bad for her. And I, I like that you can feel both edge. You can ship Lucas and Peyton, but yep. also feel bad for Brooke at the same time. And I just love the nuance there. And ultimately, we all want these characters to be happy. Mm-hmm. No matter Definitely. who they end up with. Yes. Well, let's talk about some of the other reactions to Lucas. There's, I feel like Haley was kind of shaming Lucas for wanting to be with Brooke. Did you get that? Yeah, I got that vibe too. And I'm just like, come on, come on, Paley. Like, I, I know you're friends with Peyton. I know you don't really like Brooke, but come on. I know. Be a little bit more supportive there. I think she, her impression of Brooke is not that good. And if you kind of think back to it, the times that Haley has been around Brooke, Brooke really hasn't been the greatest person. <laughs> she can't even call Haley by her real name. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I can't really, I can't fully blame Haley because her perspective is kind of skewed. To not really mm-hmm. see Brooke as, like, this nice person. But then I agreed that she was kind of shaming Luke, which isn't really yeah. that cool. And she did it, like, I don't know, she did it throughout the episode. I did like that she was able to finally, like, just accept and let Luke figure it out on his own. Yeah, that's ex- that's expanded upon a little bit in the deleted scenes, too. Did you watch that scene? I did watch that scene, yeah. Yeah, so after Lucas has a fight with Keith, which does happen in this episode... He goes to Karen's cafe and spends the night, and then Karen, not Karen, sorry, um, Haley unlocks Karen's cafe the next morning, finds Lucas sitting there on the couch, and the two of them basically talk about how, like, hey, you try with my significant other, I'll try with your significant other. Let's just all be friends, and then they both agree, like, okay. So, I thought that was a cute scene. I understand why it had to be cut. It's a little bit extraneous, and I feel like it was sort of, like, we, we've accepted by the end of the episode that Haley accepts yeah. that Lucas and Brooke yeah. are together, but I thought that was, like, a nice added feature. Yeah, it, it kind of built on the previous scene from earlier in the episode, so yes, I can see why it wasn't really fully needed. Speaking of Haley trying to support Lucas... Let's talk about the opposite, where Lucas supports Haley in her relationship, because Nathan and Haley are together, but they did not have sex. Yeah, I know. I love how 109 led us to believe that was going to happen, and then it, it's, it's quickly resolved, like, at the you know, beginning of 110, so... Because sex is such a big deal, you know, like, oh my god, the virgin is having sex. I'm not gonna get into, like, another big, like, rant about how virginity is a social construct. You all get the point. <laughs> But Nathan was really nice about it. Yeah, I, he was. I liked that part of it. He said he was ready when she's ready. So that made me feel really good about their relationship so far. Yeah. He said, it's not about sex with me. And then they kiss and that Fifi Dobson song is playing in the background and it is beautiful. And 
I know. You can tell Haley's so happy. And that's so different for Nathan, like, to have a relationship that's not about sex. Because that's pretty much what his relationship with Peyton was, <laughs> I yeah. guess. I mean, that that's what it seemed from the glimpse that we got of it. It didn't mm-hmm. really have any depth. Definitely. So, Nathan is not getting action in the bedroom, right? Nope. You know, another place where he's not getting action. It's the basketball court. <laughs> I'm getting really great with these transitions. I see what you did there. Ha-ha. Yes, give me an Emmy or whatever the awards <laughs> is for our podcast, and I have no idea. Um, I'm Honestly, I suck at transitions, so Jeremy's better than me. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah, what you all didn't hear like beforehand, like Caitlin was like, how do we transition it? <laughs> I didn't really know where we were going. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever feel like I'm trying to take the reins too much, it's literally because Caitlin and I have, <laughs> we've accepted that like, even though I wouldn't even say I'm bad at transition. I mean, I wouldn't even say I'm good at transitions, but I have a way of spinning it into humor. <laughs> Anyway, so we at Whitey canceled basketball. What'd you think? Yeah, so we, we found out in 109 that Whitey canceled basketball, but the players find out in this episode. So they weren't all as mad as you would think they would have been, honestly. Yeah, they sort of like all They just accepted it, it mm-hmm. for what it was. And then Jake, which we know why the audience does, but not the other characters. Jake made some comment about, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Because yeah. obviously he's raising a daughter. And Nathan, gosh, he just needed a break to begin with. Holy cow. The amount of pressure that he was in in 109. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see things kind of like basketball took a break this episode. Yes. And we were able to see these storylines still evolve without it. And I noticed that you only mentioned Nathan and Jake. And I know they're the only two characters who really speak in that scene. I mean, other than Whitey. But, you know who else was in that scene? Vegas? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, if you did not listen to our discussion, I think on, was it 104? I think it was 104. Yeah, 104. Um, we, um, I went into this long, in-depth um, discussion about one of the tertiary characters who is at Nathan's beach house party, and it is played by Drew Seeley, who was the singing voice for Dra- for for Zach Efron. Okay, Jeremy. Okay, calm musical. down. <laughs> calm down. Everyone knows. Not everybody. If you miss one of four, who knows? I'm just saying. But anyway, he is very handsome. He is in that scene. He does not speak at all, but he's in that <laughs> Jeremy scene. Jeremy noticed him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I just wanted to give him a little shout out. I said we would circle back when we saw him again. Maybe I'll just find another way to bring up Drew Seeley anyway. (laughs) You're going to find every reason. Is this the last episode he's in? It is. Okay. But I'll find a way anyway. (laughs) (laughs) A special bonus episode where we just dissect every Drew Seeley movie. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Next episode, we're going to talk about High School Musical. We're going to take a break from Montreal. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So back to basketball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's really all I wanted to say about this. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. <laughs> um, that's really the only, literally, that's really the only note. It says, why do you cancel basketball? Vegas. I kind of want to jump to 
the river court. I mean, this is towards this is the end of one ten. Oh yeah, so let's talk about that. I really like that scene because the whole time Whitey, the reason why Whitey canceled basketball was so that the team could reflect and really think about why they want to play basketball, their reasons for playing it, and trying to like almost to hit the reset button mm-hmm. because they were clearly like in a rough patch, obviously with what happened to Nathan. And there was just something so nice about the river court scene because you got to see like two worlds almost collide. Nathan came onto the court, but you have the regular river court crew as well. And Keith and Whitey are observing. And I really, I really loved that scene in particular. That was a feel good scene. I loved it. It was just a feel good moment of them watching the players do what they love. And there's like no strings attached. You know, they can just mm-hmm. do it and there's no, there's no pressure, you know? It's for fun. Yes. While well, Gavin DeGraw's playing in the background. I know, it's of so course. Great. I love it. <laughs> so I, I like how that storyline developed. Yes, definitely. It was it was cute. You know, it was really well done, I thought. It was nice to see um Lucas and Nathan actually having fun together too. I know. Because we haven't seen that. And even like when he, when Lucas walks up to Nathan at Karen's Cafe and he says, hey, we're going to go to the river court. Do you want to play? And Nathan's like, why? And Lucas is like, because it's fun. Yep. And I think this is going to help Nathan maybe like get back on track. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to go there to come back. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) You're so clever, Caitlin. (laughs) Um... Let's talk about an area where you are not so clever in now. What? (laughs) I'm not so clever. By liking Lucas and Peyton together and not Lucas and Brooke. We're going to circle back to that love triangle. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're circling back to that? All right. What do you want to say about Brooke? Well, more specifically, we're going to talk about um, Peyton and Brooke's friendship. What did you think about all the stuff that was going on between the two of them? I feel, you know, the audience knows what Peyton's really feeling. The audience knows what she said to Lucas, but Brooke Mm -hmm. doesn't know. She came in the room after Peyton already said what she said. And I feel like Brooke, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like she's ignoring the signs. Ironic, yeah, that's why I said, like, I feel like Brooke is, I didn't like Brooke in this episode, I completely agree with you, actually. And, like, the signs are there. Peyton doesn't want to admit it, because she said so many, there were so many times that she said that, you can have Lucas, he's up for grabs, you know, he's not mine, blah blah blah, like, feel free. And, I guess, in a way, Peyton feels bad to then, like, Say, wait a minute, I actually do have feelings, you know? Maybe she feels almost embarrassed in saying that, but... Right. Just looking at Peyton and, like, her facial expressions and the things that she's saying in this episode, like, you know something's wrong. And Brooke doesn't want... I don't think Brooke wants to see it. Yeah. And Brooke, like, when Brooke is um, laying in Peyton's bed and she says... Well, you know, I'll never let a guy come between us, no matter how happy he makes me. And I just feel like she's sort of, it, it seems like she's like throwing it in Peyton's face a little bit. And like, I get it, like Peyton's not, or sorry, Brooke is not supposed to be a mind reader. No. And I I have space for that. I get that. But however, 
on an opposite tangent for that. I feel like a lot of like what happens in fiction, it's not so much about like what is actually happening. It's not about like what is actually happening in the situation. It's more about how it feels. Yeah. And I feel like in that scene or all the scenes between Brooke and Peyton specifically, I feel like we're so deep in Peyton's perspective that we're supposed to be feeling for Peyton here. And we're not really supposed to care so much about Brooke. Yeah, not in this moment in time, we aren't. Yeah, so for all we know, maybe Brooke actually is being a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more thoughtful and everything. But as far as, like, from Peyton's perspective, it just feels like, oh no, this is being thrown in my face. So, I have space for that. Yeah, it's kind of a complex situation, honestly. And then Peyton actually opens up to Haley with how she's feeling. And, like, Haley, who's not her best friend, picks up on it. She knows. But Brooke doesn't. I find that that interesting. Right. And Haley even says to Peyton, she says, I don't see Brooke and Lucas as this big epic romance. And I don't know. Like, I I get like maybe she's trying to be there for Peyton, but at the same time, I feel like she shouldn't, you shouldn't be saying that. Like, that's Peyton's best friend. You really shouldn't be saying that. However, Haley does say later on, she says that, um, I said I would give them a chance, meaning... Brooke and Lucas. And then Peyton's like, well, what should I do? And then she tells Peyton, like, you should do the same. And then Peyton does try. Yeah. She goes to the cafe later and, you know, she tries to she tries to leave, but And then that scene with Brooke. Like, it's clear Peyton is saying, like, she she thought she could do it, but she can't. And Brooke takes that as a <laughs> in a totally different direction about it being like a third Peyton being a third wheel. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of a reach. <laughs> exactly. It, it's almost like that Brooke, like, forget that the two of them had a thing. That they kissed at the party. Like, yeah. that was that was common knowledge. If I was Brooke, I'd be like, are you, are you weird about the two of us being together? Like, is there some unresolved feelings that you have? Yeah, that would be a more of a realistic thing to say. Yeah, but... <sighs> So it goes back to Brooke doesn't want to see it. She wants yeah. to just be with Lucas and that's it. Yeah, but I was just about to reiterate that. Yeah, I feel like she just, it's easier to ignore it because she's so happy with Lucas and she just doesn't want to see this as yep. a problem. So I, I get it. It is frustrating, but I do get it. Like how many times have you like, you know, had such a glaring problem, you know, in your friendships and your relationships where you just ignore the problem. So you're like, you know what? If I don't print it up, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. We've all done that before. Yeah, ignoring so, things, yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what'll happen between Peyton and Brooke's friendship. I know, because I, I like their friendship so far. This aspect of it, though, is weird. Yeah. It's getting weird, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But this is like typical high school stuff. Best friends or, or just friends liking the same person, like... Mm-hmm. Been there, done that, so. <laughs> I remember yes. that in high school for sure. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> all the locker drama, all that, yeah. Yeah. Those who are listening, who are my friends, you know. You could guess it. If you know what we are talking about, send us <laughs> send us three, what kind of emojis should they send? Send us three 100 emojis. Um, In the comments, on our Instagram posts, <laughs> on our Twitter, like, whatever. Send us 100 emojis if you know exactly what Caitlin and I are talking about. Unless you want some privacy. I don't want, like, other listeners who didn't go to high school with us to be like, Ooh, who's this person? Let me follow. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Well, Lucas and Peyton had some difficulties. Let's talk about another relationship that had some difficulties. Keith and Lucas. I feel like I have a lot of thoughts about this. Really? I feel like Keith, he's trying his best, basically. Yes. He wants to do right by Karen. He's making a big deal about Lucas being with Brooke. Mm -hmm. And I get, all right, Lucas missed the phone call with his mom. But, like, what else has he really done? I mean, buying the condoms, okay. But I feel like Keith could have handled that situation so so much, much differently. Because he could have had an honest, like, conversation about sex with Lucas. You know what I mean? Like, he could have said, oh, that's great. You're being, you know, safe. Just, like, do you have, I don't know, any questions? Or, like, is everything okay? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, he didn't, like, seem like a safe space. Like, yeah, he was judgmental and let me get it, and I'm like, okay. Then he went back on it, and I understand him going back on it. But I feel like he went back on it the wrong way. He said, like, I'll just let you live your life and then, you know, trust you to do the right thing. Yeah. It's like, no, here's what you should do. You should be like, okay, here's how you put a condom on. (laughs) You know, like, talk about, like, specific things like that. Yeah, I I think he could have approached it a lot differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like they were being reckless. Yeah. Like, it is great that they were buying condoms. Yeah. So they weren't being reckless. But I also get how it's a very sensitive subject because of what happened with Karen when she was Mm -hmm. 17, you know? Right. So Keith's coming from that place. I'm sure Karen would be coming from that place, too, if she were home. So I get it. I get it. Basically, Lucas is Keith's child. (laughs) Like, initially, when you hear your child... You know, they're having hear that they're having sex. You're gonna probably like freak out a little bit, but I don't know. Right? He he could have been a bit more calm about it. I think. Yeah, definitely. Especially later on, I'm not gonna really hold him accountable for his earlier actions because he realized those were wrong. But yeah, I feel like he definitely could have done that better. And Caitlin and I, like, neither of us are parents, and we're not saying like you know we're the experts on how to like raise children or anything. But- oh no, <laughs> not at all. Instead of shaming someone, Mm -hmm. make it an educational thing. Like, you know, educate them or just check in with them or... Yeah, like, is is Brooke on the pill? Like, you know, ask, like, you know, questions like that. Or just, or literally just, like, you know, be, like, a safe space. Say, like, if you have any questions at all, no matter how gross you think it is or anything, just come to me. Yep. Just, like, opening the door for, yeah, if he needs anything. I didn't expect us to criticize Keith's parenting so much, but there we there we went. <laughs> he's trying his best. It's kind of stressful for him because, like, he's been a parent, but he's not to the point where he's living with Lucas ever, you know? Yeah. So that's, like, a whole different kind of ballgame, living mm-hmm. and taking care of, like, day by day. Not that, like, yeah. Luke, like he's 17, so <laughs> he could pretty much do everything, but, you know, just being that supportive person there every day, all day. Right, definitely. And uh, what did you think about Lucas when he walked up to Zeb and says, uh, if you have a problem with me, can you come to me? I don't know what Zeb could have done in that situation. Like, what? <laughs> I, I can't blame Deb for saying something to Keith. Yeah. She hardly knows Lucas, so I feel like that's, I don't know. That whole grocery store scene was just so, I just like cringed. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, you can tell something was happening <laughs> before Brooke even came back. Because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I was like, Lucas, are you okay? He, he's just like so nervous at the counter. <laughs> 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 Getting his other items to like 
conceal what is going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that wasn't doing any better by being like, are you okay? Like, you know, trying to like, you know, really like, not egg him on, but really like poke at him. But I feel like part of that was because she was insecure. Like, she felt like Lucas didn't like her. So she was yeah. like, this has to be about me. Like, are you okay, Lucas? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, nope, nope. I'm just trying to buy condoms and whipped cream and I just want to get out of here. But like, bye. Can we, can we go? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one thing if it was just, you know, the condoms, but it was the whipped cream. <laughs> I feel like that just set it over the edge of being awkward. <laughs> Brooke walks up, she's like, and dessert. Oh, I can't. Oh. I thought it was so, you know, on a, on a little side note, I thought it was so adorable when um, Brooke and Lucas were out in the parking lot. And Brooke's like, well, um, Karen's in Europe for the next month. What's the chance the temple will remember this? And first of all, I'm like, okay, they're not calling it. Well, it was 2003. There's not as much communication back then. Literally, the only way you can do it is a long-distance phone call. (laughs) But yeah, but then Lucas is like, whipped cream and condoms. And then (laughs) Brooke starts giggling. That was so cute. (laughs) It was cute. But yeah, to have, um, like, I understand that, like, why Zeb didn't walk up to Lucas and say, like, hey, let's talk about these condoms. Because I feel like that would be, I feel like that would be prodded too much. Because that's not her business. Like, that's not her kid. Yeah. So I understand why she told Keith. So yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not mad at her for doing that. You can't blame her. I feel like any adult would do that. <laughs> Caitlin, I feel like we have hit the nail on the head right here. We are closer in age to the parents than we are to the kids. And we are starting to side with the parents here. <laughs> that is horrifying. <laughs> like, horrifying. <laughs> why is this happening why (laughs) who would ever think oh my god but i didn't feel like narratively that we're supposed to be signed with lucas in that situation because i was like yes lucas of course but now we're still signing with zeb (laughs) yeah i there's no way around it um do you want to talk about a uh, situation where i feel like neither of us will side with the parent though Oh, God. Whenever it involves Dan, absolutely not. (laughs) He tries to make it up to Deb, but Deb puts him in his place and says, you know, really, you need to make it up to Nathan. But Dan doesn't even realize, like, he takes Nathan on this trip that was supposed to originally be for Deb. Which was fucked up. Like... That, that's (laughs) messed up in itself. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And... Dan doesn't even really think that he did anything wrong. So, like, what is this trip even for? Right. I mean, technically, I guess it's for them to bond. But Dan doesn't even think he's in the wrong. Mm-hmm. So what is what is his goal? <laughs> and I can't believe he just springs it on Nathan, too. It's like, who cares what you're doing this weekend? You're coming with me to this trip. You know, weekend getaway. Yeah. It's just very bizarre. He's trying to be, like, the alpha male in this situation. Like, he's trying to have power over Zab. And th- that's really it, honestly. Yeah. I guess it's just a, his motive is to try to somehow make it up to Nathan, even though he doesn't think he needs to. But if it involves, you know, losing Nathan. But Zab makes fucking golf into a competition. I mean, you would, you thought maybe it was just basketball, because Dan plays, played basketball when he was a kid. So, like, there's there's this obvious tension there but now golf like he makes this competitive too mm-hmm. and they're they're not even playing it like competitively like they're just going to the golf course and on this trip to just kind of have fun 
Like, that's the intention. Yeah, this isn't to, like, impress, like, any scouts or anything like that. It's literally, like, this is supposed to be fun, you know? Yep. And he makes it miserable yet again. Yeah. And that actually makes me think about, um... The whole situation at Carrot's Cafe later on a little bit differently, because when Lucas asks Nathan, he says, like, hey, do you want to come to the River Corps? And Nathan's like, why? Because, like, you know, I feel like, you know, in Nathan's minds, the idea of playing a game for fun, it's new to him. Yeah. Because he was raised by a man who's so competitive and says, like, oh, it's all about the game. It's all about the competition. It's all about being better than other people. Yep. So playing for fun is a new concept to him. Yeah. And in the middle of the golf game, he... Is, is it called a game? <laughs> I think it's a match. <laughs> the golf game. <laughs> I don't know anything about golf other than mini golf. A golf game, sure. A golf game. <laughs> Send us a golf club emoji along with a message. When they were playing golf. <laughs> Nathan gets so frustrated that he says, I took the drugs for you, Dad. And Dan reacts and he's like, no, you didn't. Right. He can't even believe his son. And it, oh, it's just so frustrating because Dan is just so oblivious. He's so oblivious to everything. Mm-hmm. How Nathan's feeling, how that's affecting his performance and the rest of his life. He's not very perceptive, Dan. Or he just doesn't want to see it but or care. Yeah. It's just, it's messed up. Definitely. Now, things were a little bit more lighthearted between Dan and Nathan in one of the deleted scenes. I know, and I found it interesting that the creator of One Tree Hill said that they didn't want to keep this scene in the episode because it showed Nathan and Dan, like, getting along more. So basically, they're on the ride home from the trip, and they're reminiscing about a basketball game from the past. It's kind of more of like a tender moment than you than you've ever seen Nathan and Dan before. Yeah, it was interesting. Like they're bonded over like some some game that they're listening to on the radio. I, I understand that though because I feel like if um the, the conflicts would have ended too soon if they put that mm-hmm. scene in there. Was it a, the game on the radio or was it a game that they had went to? Couldn't really tell. It was it was supposed to be a game on the radio. It's not in the deleted scene because of the yeah. they couldn't clear the audio because they didn't they didn't air it so they didn't need to clear the audio. Um. But yeah, if you were to watch it like live in the episode, you would have heard a game playing. Yeah. So I understand that. But what about the scene where um we're allowed to believe that Dan drops Nathan off at Karen's Cafe because Nathan walks in. Yep. And then there's Dan sitting outside and he's just like looking in. And he has like a little bit of a sad look on his face. I know. I feel like you're seeing Dan more vulnerable than you've seen him yet. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even remember like what happens at this point, but like I feel like he's starting to like see the point where he's like, maybe I'm the problem. I mean, Dan's a jackass, don't get me wrong, but, like, mm-hmm. there might be a little bit of a moment here. Again, I'm, I'm even saying this is a legitimate, like, I don't remember, like, what happens after this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting there, like, feeling like he's missing out on something, because his wife and his son are in the cafe, and this cafe is owned by his former girlfriend, and, you know, the, the mother, mother of his other child. His yeah. other child. So... <laughs> He feels left out, like he's not, he doesn't fit into the mix anymore, maybe. Right, which, hmm, but Dan, maybe you're part of the problem. And I, I like how at the end, Deb, she tells him, like, mm-hmm. you need to go to therapy or you're not going to see Nathan. Yes, 
That was a great scene to end the episode with, by the way. I know we're like we're jumping ahead. We're not even <laughs> we're not even at the end, but let's just talk about it since we're there. Um, I know it. It was. It really leaves you like thinking, like, wow, will Dan actually go to therapy? Like, he's not mm-hmm. someone who you would think would go to therapy at all. He, he loves his son. He just doesn't show it. It's oh gosh. I feel like it's really hard sometimes to get a therapy, like when you're actually the problem, though. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes like you have to like really look inward and say like like you know yeah you can get a you can get a therapy if you're like um you know you have problems with other people and you're like and you just need to heal from trauma but Dan's going to therapy because he's like wait a minute I am the problem and I feel like that is hard and I do understand that but sometimes you need to push that aside yeah. Y- you have to kind of, before you even go for the first time, you kind of have to admit, like, you're vulnerable and you're, you have flaws. And that's really hard to do. Exactly. So, I guess I have space for Dan a little bit. Yeah. And <laughs> one other thing i just like to note, when they were on the golf course, Nathan even said, like, just give mom a divorce. So, like, wow, that's, that's the first time you're really hearing that from Nathan, too. Mm-hmm. So even Nathan's aware of the larger issues here and what's at stake. And, you know, Deb's really given him an ultimatum now. Like, you need to work right. this out or, like, you can't see Nathan or be with me. <laughs> exactly. <Ooh. laughs> Do you want to talk about some lighthearted fare? <laughs> I know. Yeah, let's go to the open mic night because that was really, that's like the highlight of the whole episode, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love seeing Haley and Zeb, like, working together. I know. They're really, they have good, like, a cute chemistry. Yeah. Like, it's really, I don't know, I just think it's, like, really adorable to say. Like, they're literally talking about how, like, Zeb's like, oh, no, like, business has really went down. Like, is it because of me? And Haley's like, no, no, girl. The yeah. university's on vacation. <laughs> I Yeah, I like those scenes, too. Mm-hmm. And then, uh. Haley's making the flyers, and Zeb, like, she's about to insult the flyers, and Haley's like, well, yeah, they suck, I know, I know. <laughs> but then Haley goes, to, um, Haley goes to Peyton for help, and Peyton makes the flyers look good with her artistic skills, and did she notice the one line that Haley walks up to Peyton and says? What? She says, I need your help. Don't worry, it doesn't involve orphans, or Nathan, or any commitment of any kind. You notice she specifically said orphans, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's supposed to refer to the Stella storyline <laughs> yep. in 109. Yep. If you missed our previous episode, there's a whole deleted storyline about um, Peyton helping out this orphan named Stella. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. <laughs> but... It works either way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's hilarious how when they're preparing for the open mic night, I don't even really know where Peyton was. Was she at like a... She was some kind of office. Do you that was Thud. That was Thud? Okay. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. Then, then she said, like, um, uh, the cafe across the street. Oh, yeah. So it must have been Thud. You're right. Okay. Yeah. And Gavin DeGraw says he's doing an interview. I know. It's hilarious that, like, <laughs> she's just, <laughs> you know, Gavin DeGraw's just there at Tree Hill. <laughs> and, like, Peyton's, like, fangirled. And he just became, like, he just became, like, an artist. Yes. Also. So the fact that she recognized him, knew who he was, knew his music, <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> but I love how they threw that in. In the world of One Tree Hill, Gavin DeGraw is a huge celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I love how they threw that in. However, 
can I just say something? I'm going to get into, like, you know, the whole, um, I'm going to bring up some of my background as a journalist. I am just saying, if Gavin DeGraw really was being interviewed by FUD, he would not go to the office to be interviewed. <laughs> what would happen is the reporter would either come to Gavin DeGraw or Gavin DeGraw would do it over the phone. He would not come to Thud Magazine. Maybe in 2003, Jeremy, and you were not a journalist in 2003. I mean, I was not, but, like, trust me, like, you know, <laughs> musicians don't have time now. They definitely did not have time then. Okay, maybe I have space for this. Maybe You the have a lot of space rep- tonight. <laughs> and I'm sorry I interrupt you. <laughs> I try to be open to other feelings and perspectives. <laughs> but... <laughs> I have some space for maybe maybe Gavin DeGraw was um, just coming to the office and then him and the reporter were going to drive around and it was going to be like this day in the life of profile, which I could be like, okay, that's cool. Okay. Well, you never know. You never know. But there was no way Gavin DeGraw was going to like, you know, play a gig at North Carolina, come all the way back to that same area to play at Karen's Cafe. Like, no. Yeah, I know. Trust me, I've interviewed musicians before. They don't have time for anything. Well, he was a blossoming artist at that point. Yes. There is one artist that I almost interviewed who makes an appearance on One Tree Hill later on, but he wouldn't talk to me. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, spoiler segment. I don't even think I want to talk about the spoiler segment. I kind of want to just save it for an episode. (laughs) For the episode when we got there. I will say this, it's season four, so you have to wait a long time. Oh my god. (laughs) Alright, now that I'm done talking about all that, um, I really did like seeing Kevin DeGraw perform at Karen's Cafe, which would not be feasible if this was real life. (laughs) Yeah, like he'd want to play in this tiny little cafe, but... Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it's it was just cute that the first season they were, you know, able to get him on the show. Exactly. Well, I feel like he just wanted to say thank you. Like, hey, like, you know, thank you for launching my career, essentially. Um, it's a great tribute. Yeah. Like, th- this episode kind of has, like, season premiere vibes, don't you think? Yeah, it, it could. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you, you waited two months to find out what happened next. Yep. Almost two months. So, I feel like that's what they're trying to do, essentially. They're like, okay, like, they've been away from us for a while, like, let's bring in something fun. So, that's why they decided to bring Gavin DeGraw in for the mid-season premiere. I liked it. And, I mean, obviously his performance was awesome. And we also get to see Jake Jagowski, really, Brian Greenberg, sing one of his songs. Mm Mm-hmm. You knew this, right? He had a music career, didn't he, at one point? Yes. He has one. I don't... He has one currently, or...? I don't know the most recent, like, year where he had songs come out, Hmm. but... He definitely has, you know, a bunch of songs, maybe a few albums, maybe. Should we pipe up the Google? Now I'm curious. Discography. He released an EP in 2019. There you go. He has four albums. One in two. Oh, he didn't even release it. He didn't even release an album until 2007, which was a couple years after this episode. Yep. That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, he has four albums and he released one in 2019. All right. Maybe we should be checking out Brian Greenberg's music. <laughs> he has a really awesome voice. Yeah, it is beautiful. I think so. But wow, what a reveal at the open mic night. Jake yes. bringing Jenny and introducing mm-hmm. him to the whole crowd. <gasps> My gosh, yeah. that really took guts. It really did. Could you imagine this happening in high school in real life? People would be losing their shits. And as they went around the room and you saw everyone's like, it, 
expressions or reactions to Mm -hmm. it, which were really good, by the way. They were, no one obviously was mean, you know, everyone just kind of like accepted it. It really was a safe space. Yeah. And I I I love that part of it. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think realistic no everyone would have been gossiping yes definitely but i feel like it lends itself to how jake presented that information because he walked in he just said like i usually only sing to my daughter like he said it's so matter of fact like he didn't say it with any shame he was not ashamed whatsoever of being a teen dad and i feel like that really lends to his character a little bit and i feel like he um he did that because of what lucas did earlier lucas um, came into jake's house jake introduced lucas to jenny and he he tries to explain like hey like you know i'm not gonna introduce jenny to the world because i want to protect her etc cetera, etc cetera. and then that's what lucas is like yeah but my mom kept me a, kept my past a secret she kept my dad a secret i thought she was ashamed of me so you shouldn't do that and i feel like jake really took that to heart he really did listen to Luke. God, I love Jake so, so much. Oh my god. Like, I feel like I'm really getting into my feels about Jake during this rewatch. <laughs> like, yeah. I forgot how much I love Jake. He is a perfect man. Ugh. He's a good character. Yes. I just kind of want to build on what you said about what Lucas, like the advice that Lucas gave. Oh, yeah. Jake. I love that Lucas could really connect to how Jenny might feel in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even make that connection until Lucas started to say that, but I'm glad they made that scene. It's a really insightful scene. Right. Basically saying that, like, she could carry that shame around with her her whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's not a good feeling. Yeah. Lucas doesn't carry around shame. Like, Karen wasn't ever embarrassed of him but i feel like the situation just wasn't like dan contributed to that shame and any Mm -hmm. shame that lucas ever felt was dan but it could have went another way like karen could have she could have been ashamed of him i mean she didn't end up being that way but right but that's how lucas internalized the situation and i feel like he was and you know granted like that was his feeling and his feelings aren't always facts yep um But, and, you know, I feel like Lucas realized that, but I feel like he just didn't want Jenny to go through anything similar to that, you know? I know. So, awesome connection there. I think that was one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Aw. You know what one of my favorite scenes is? What's that? When Jake and Peyton had a moment. They definitely had a moment. I thought that was good. They didn't, obviously they knew each other before that, but this is the first time we've actually seen them together in a scene. And two scenes. Yep. Two scenes. Wait, what was the other one? One at the cafe, which was longer, and then on the river court when she's tossing the ball back to him. So there's yes. this eye contact two times. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? And then Brooke is like, oh, I guess that answer's the gay thing. And she ruins that. I'm like, oh, come on, Brooke with the homophobia. Come on. What did she say? So um, she took a picture of Jake at the, um, like, as Jake was walking off to Peyton. And um, the Polaroid comes out, and then Brooke is like, well, I guess this answer's the gay thing. <laughs> I think she was sort of, I mean, I, she was also picking up on the vibe, like, okay, like, Jake has a child. So he has obviously had sex with a woman, which I'm just going to say, like, even if he did have sex with a woman, he could still be gay. But that's another conversation. Oh, gosh, yeah. 17-year-old Brooke was not ready for that conversation in 2003. <laughs> that wasn't even, like, a line that, I don't know, she could have said something much different. That was not a needed dialogue. Yeah, but I feel like mostly she was picking up on the vibe that Jake and Peyton were picking Mm -hmm. up right there. 
So, I guess that answers the gay thing. Ha ha ha. So, oh boy. Didn't like that. <laughs> Speaking of things that you did like. Yes! What was your favorite quote, Jeremy? I am between two. Um, actually, you know, now that I'm about to say it, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest with it. I'll tell you my honorable mention first, though. Um, the scene where I talked about earlier, where Lucas walks up to Nathan and says, you want to play at the River Court? And then Nathan's like, why? And then Lucas is like, because it's fun. Don't you remember? It was just a real feel-good moment. Yeah. Like, aww! But, and I feel like I can't get into why I like this line, but I did like when Brooke and Peyton are in the bed together, and Brooke says, hoes over bros. Yeah, we can't say too much about that. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Yes. <laughs> Tune in to the spoiler segment. Yeah. My favorite quote is, it's just like a short line that Whitey said to Keith. So it was the end, very end when Whitey and Keith are sitting in the car and they're observing the basketball team and the River Court crew play a game. Mm-hmm. And Whitey says, and you have, I don't want to be playing in the background. I think that was still <laughs> playing still. And Whitey says, makes you wonder where they're all headed. I don't know. It was like, it gave me like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, yeah, that is it was just It was just cute. It was like, it made you think about like what the future holds for all of them. I like that. I like it too. <laughs> um, speaking musical of musical moment. moments. Oh, we said at the same time. <laughs> I like that. Let's see if I can sync that up with that in it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Musical moments. I, um, okay. Oh, so I'm going to. You go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like you and I are going to have the same answer. So I'm going to give my, um, I'm going to give my reasoning <laughs> first. Um, but this is why I like to call this segment the favorite musical moments. And not the favorite song, because for this episode specifically, and I feel like there's several episodes where this happens for me, um, my favorite song is not necessarily in my favorite musical moment. Now, my favorite song is Everything by Fifi Dobson, which plays during the scene where Nathan and Haley are in bed together. Yeah, that was a cute one. So I just thought that was cute. I'm a sucker for like a good up-tempo love song, so I just gotta give that song an honorable mention. But with... My favorite musical moment. It just, as far as like the whole entire scene giving me warm, fuzzy feels. When you think, when you think about the song and the scene together, I have to choose. I don't want to be. Yeah. What about you? So that's interesting. Your your reasoning, because obviously I loved. I don't want to be, and I put it as my honorable mention just because. Oh really? I thought we were gonna have the same one. Okay. I, I mean, like, of course it's <laughs> I don't want to be, but like to be a little different. I really liked <laughs> Lonely World by Brian Greenberg. Oh, okay. I really, I dug that moment. That's a good scene, so I think. And I did read the lyrics, but I think just like the title of the song, Lonely World, I think it it kind of expressed what Jake was feeling mm-hmm. and how he's like opening up almost to the world, like the secret. So Aww. it just, I don't know, kind of showed like how he was alone with that secret in a way. Okay. And I don't think the whole, the song in itself is fully about that, but like, that feeling of like loneliness because he couldn't really be truthful to to everyone. That's kind right. of why I think they they chose that song specifically and why it worked for that moment in the cafe. Go Brian Greenberg. All right, you need to go listen to him. That's your homework this week. Okay, I will. 
I'm just gonna say, I don't know anything about Brian Greenberg for all we know. Like, maybe he's like a, maybe he's an asshole in real life. <laughs> maybe I need to do some research on them. But Jake Chigalski, I'm just saying, like, he's literally the only straight white man I do have space for. Yeah, he's a good person. Yes, I love him. All right, Jeremy, what's your rating? <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh my God. I forgot to mention this. You know, and this will, this will tie into my rating. <laughs> you know who else is um, at the scene in Karen's Cafe? Next to Tim. Vegas? Yes. You would notice the supporting characters in the background of the episode. Trucelia <laughs> <laughs> is so beautiful. I can't help it, okay? <laughs> All right. That is why I am going to give it four out of five Drew Seely cameos. <laughs> um, this is a great episode. It really built off of the tension from 109. Um, I feel like my biggest criticism of it is just, I feel like Brooke is just kind of, it's kind of dumb, honestly. And I hate to say that she's dumb, but I think the writing behind Brooke could have been a little bit better and a little bit more clearer in her intentions, which I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Or at least giving her side a little bit more. Definitely. What is your rating? I also gave it a four out of five open mic nights. Oh, cool. And I would agree it's a solid episode. I think it's great, like a winter premiere or whatever you want to call it. I enjoyed the whole episode. I mm-hmm. It just it kept me interested. Some of the episodes at the beginning of season one, you know, I'm just watching them to get through them. But... <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed this one and Gavin DeGraw was in it. I love the whole open mic night storyline. I liked the storylines with, you know, Lucas and Jake and Jenny. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's just a real feel good episode. Um <laughs> I'm even starting to notice like the differences in our conversations too as we get like further into the season. It's not like we didn't enjoy recording the first few episodes, but I feel like we are starting to like really like really like doing this podcast. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> once you're in it with the characters, it's more interesting. When you're introducing them, it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk about it when you're when you've seen it so many times and you know like there's so many more interesting things that happen in this series. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and we're starting to get into it. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Like, um, one of my friends was, you know, she recently started uh, her first watch, actually. She's watching along with the podcast. Excellent. And um, she said, like, 10 minutes into the pilot, she was immediately hooked. So I'm like, you were? I mean, okay. <laughs> you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> <laughs> there are much better episodes than the pilot. But it yeah, is she- an intriguing concept. And I know I said that in the pilot episode. It really is. I just don't think the pilot is like super interesting, but it's a good concept. Yeah, but we're really starting to ramp up to the action. So oh, it's only uphill from here, baby. Yes, I'm so excited. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing you.
Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off this podcast now. So, did you have any feelings when Brooke walked into Karen's cafe for the first time? What do you mean? Brooke, she walked into Karen's cafe for the first time. The place where she ends up spending a lot of time later on in the series. Oh, that's what you're saying. (laughs) 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 I forgot we were in the spoiler segment for a second. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think we were doing? That's so full circle. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's crazy. I never thought of that. (laughs) This is my first time watching season one knowing, like, Brooke's connections to Karen's Cafe. So, like, honestly, like, seeing her walk in for the first time really, like, gave me feelings because she's like, so this is the place. Because, you know, she had to. But everything's better and everything's safe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's a place where she ends up um, running clothes over bros. She ends up having a whole store there. And then she ends up running Karen's Cafe herself in there. Yep. So I just needed to live my truth. I just needed to speak my feelings on that. It was really cute knowing what I know now. It, it really is. And 110 is also really cute because it's the first musical episode of the show. And it just makes me think about how, you know, in season two, Trick is established and we get to see mm-hmm. so many artists perform. And then that stays throughout the whole series. And I love that, that aspect of the show. There's so many artists. Like, what were some of your favorites that you can think of? Uh, let's say there's the honorary title. Um, there's just one, I love how that's the first uh, group I brought up. Um, there's one song in particular I really love by them. Um, let's see, Kate Vogel, um, Fall Out Boy, oh, oh my yeah. god. So, <laughs> Jack's Mannequin. Jimmy Eat World and Fall Out Boy were probably my favorites. Kate Vogel, definitely. Ugh, there's just, there's so many. That That's only a few. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, like, um, the only reason why um, Trick was actually um, brought into the story was because they thought it would be unbelievable if, like, all these major artists were coming into Karen's cafe. <laughs> yeah, it would be. In season one, we also see Cheryl Crow, and I'm just like, okay, like, I mean, that was part of the plot, Gavin DeGraw was also part of the plot, but, like, you're not gonna have, like, Fall Out Boy coming to Karen's cafe, for example. You I know. know? <laughs> so, I like the addition of Trick. It's it's really exciting. I'm excited to get to those episodes. It brings, it's like a whole new setting for the show. And I don't know, it adds so many storylines for the mm-hmm. characters, specifically Peyton and Karen. It's fantastic. Yes. So do you want to talk about Peyton and Jake? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they there's some good eye contact in this episode. That's for sure. <laughs> The reason why I'm being silent right now, I'm just, like, sort of, like, giving, like, all these moody eyes. I love Peyton and Jake together. I am sorry. I'm not going to apologize for it. Like, Peyton and Jake should have been together, not Peyton and Lucas, okay? No. Absolutely not. (laughs) We're not going there. Stop it. You gotta admit, Jake is way better than Lucas. Jake is the most non-toxic dude. Can we at least say that? I know Lucas and Peyton have fire, and it's great. (laughs) I even like seeing them make out. Wait, I even like seeing the makeout. Jake's a good guy. I'm not going to badmouth them, but I I appreciate them together. I appreciate them together. Mm-hmm. And I know we, we've kind of touched on them a bit, I think, in previous spoiler episodes or previous spoiler segments. I'm just saying, you and I will fight this out probably through the end of season three. <laughs> probably. <laughs> because eventually I'm going to have to just accept that Jake leaves the show. I get it. Okay. Mm. But, oh my god. 
But they had some chemistry. Yes, they did. They had some fire too, so I can't you can't deny that one. Yes. And it's it's interesting that 110 is the first episode where you say that. Mm-hmm. And they strategically put in that moment, or those two moments. One of my favorite, favorite scenes is um when in the mid-season finale of season two, when Peyton's out to buy cocaine, and then you see a guy walk in and the camera pans up, it turns out to be Jake. That scene gives me chills every single time. You're not expecting him at all. He is, like, in that moment, I'm like, oh my god, Jake, you're such a sight for sore eyes. Like, God, like, I love Jake. Like, I really wish he could have stayed. People always leave, though. (laughs) (sighs) But you know who was not going to leave? Us, in your podcast feed, because (laughs) next week, we will be discussing season one, episode 11, The Living Years. According to our One Tree Hill DVD box sets, the description reads, The wrong influence. Haley was supposed to help Nathan get his life on track. Instead, she's following Nathan's lead by cutting classes and drinking. Meanwhile, Lucas has advice for Peyton's father. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. ya.